punk theology. Hey, punk theology. Yeah, what? Punk theology, that's... This is season... Fuck, I don't know. This is uh, episode 11. You're listening to the Punk Theology Podcast. This would be season 3. Here's some punk stuff from Humor Humor. The song's called Half Pipe. Shows have been a little like we're starting out going. Oh, it's fucking. Well, it's sunny out now. Yeah, it was like nice. fucking rain since uh, November twenty eighth. Chuck is back for Chuck, one episode. Hello, how you doing, man? <laughs> Chuck is back in the thing. We're on Spotify now. Welcome to Spotify, Chuck. Oh, thanks. I, I've never been on Spotify. Before. <laughs> That's right. Either. I feel privileged. I know. That's <laughs> right. This is our first fresh show on the new uh, Spotify. Platform, which is the second largest uh, podcasting, I don't know, where people consume podcasts. Anyway, welcome Spotify <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Strong start. That's right. We're kicking it off, man. So it's me and, and Derek and Steve and, and Chuck, our honored guest, is back. And... Uh, how you been, man? I don't know about honor. <laughs> You're honored. No, you were. It's we're good honored. to see you. We're honored. Yeah, yeah, we're honored. You in our presence, Master Chuckster. I guess I'm doing well. Um, better than I don't know. A year ago, better than yesterday. Better mm. so, than yesterday? Oh yeah, yesterday wasn't so great. Oh. Um, but yeah, so I don't. I'm currently not seeing a therapist anymore. Um, I'm dating a gal still. That's going nice. well. Okay. How long has that been going on? June, July. Cool. A while. A while. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. My memory still sucks, so that's you know <laughs> it's consistent. It just gets worse. So yeah. It's worse. Yeah. Well, I'm already there. Yeah. So. Sweet. Now it's supposed to get worse for natural reasons, as opposed to. You went through some pretty heavy therapy. You're the one guy I know that went to, well, no, I know a couple of guys, but White Raven when they came here. Yes. And you had... That uh, was the first time I went to White Raven. No, I've only been to White Raven when they've been in Washington. Yeah. Right. You went yeah. twice. You didn't I went to twice. Alaska, no. Yeah. I'd like to go to Alaska. Yeah. But it's... Oh, it's expensive. Hmm. It's cheaper than therapy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Your therapy. Yeah, my yeah. therapy. <laughs> Rapid transformational therapy, that's the key words, right? Yeah. They just, the only downside is once you leave, it, there's no real support. So if you don't have a good support structure right. at home, then, not that it's worthless, because I think that. <clears throat> anybody going is going to learn something about themselves mm-hmm. uh, but there's just a, a lot of wounds that can get opened up and if you're not careful it could spiral you out so but that did uh, you you went to some other therapy after that right yeah I've done 
I tried EMDR. Uh, that doesn't work, which is sad because I'd like to do it and I'd like to, it to work. Um, I've been to a couple different therapists. The last one I had, um, yeah, what the hell's his name? Eric. Eric. Um, he's out of the Seattle Christian Counseling Group. Uh-huh. He's great. Um, yeah, just parts of me don't like him, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> parts of me hate paying the money for it. Yeah. Um, I think a part of that, though, is just I'm, I pay all this money for insurance, and they don't even take insurance. It's like, fuck. Oh, wow. So, okay. So I could do out a network... But then I did the math, and I would get half of one session a year paid for by my insurance company, and that's not worth the hassle of submitting it to my insurance company. Right. Um, and just life happened, and I just took a break. So. Do you think your significant other's been as good or better for you than going to therapy? Um, or is it just so different that it's not worth I don't know if it. I would say better, but as good, I think, yeah. Um, she is, she's really safe and thoughtful. Um, when I get into certain issues or just certain parts of me come about, she's really good at just helping me calm down and recognize that I'm whatever part isn't in that situation anymore. And she just kind of helps ground me, I guess is the word. Um, sometimes it works faster than others and other times it's still just a spiral out of control and do yourselves come out with her off? all the time <laughs> she she able to engage with them at all? yeah she there's two parts that um, that really like her um, one of them is Almost looks at it like a mother figure, which isn't really good. Um, but it's also recognizing that she's not. It's just a like a caregiver figure. Just a almost. nurturing. Yeah, just a nurturing person. Yeah. And it's really just showing those selves, too, that there are people out there that are actually caring that don't have a motive right. for something else. Right. And to catch listeners up, this is not like a split personality thing but it's something that you you struggle with as a how would you describe it is there a word for it well it's a form of like disassociative identity disorder which is okay. what the multiple personality disorder is right kind of stemmed from um with doing some research and talking with eric i wouldn't say i have the disorder anymore the disorder is the um, the disassociating unknowingly mm. um, and now it's been more of a disassociating and still having the knowledge of doing it like I'm still someone else but it's still me right at the same time mm. and so it's just I don't because you've had times where you've talked about on the show some of the earlier shows where you would show up at the grocery store and be like how did I fucking get here? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, was... and that doesn't happen as often anymore. Okay. Uh, which is great. I still see and hear shit all the fucking time, which I don't think I'll ever get used to that. Um, Does any of that scare her? 
nah, that she'll tell me. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Um, and I guess, and that's actually pretty good too, because I don't. I think if she did tell me, then those selves would uh, be more guarded to come out. Right. So I, they just blindly follow the. They know she's not scared. Yeah, there's times where I think that she's lying, you know, in the realm of I'll say something like how I feel or um, like this is scary to me. And she's like, yeah, I get it. You know, and she kind of talks through it. It's like, that's bullshit. Like, no, I'm not. The, I'm the only one that feels this way. And it's like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> Why do you think that's important? To be the only Themselves. one that feels that way? <clears throat> Well, I don't think it's important. No, why not the cells? Well, I, I, who knows? Maybe a, like the, they just hold that as their identity. You know, it's, I have a like a five-year-old, and that's just I think that's who he is. Like he has to have these fears, or he doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, one of the selves that comes out a lot is um, I haven't pinpointed how old. He is, um, but it's somewhere between the ages of like five and ten. And I just, I can remember as a kid laying in my bed, staring at the wall, motionless. Like if I move, I'm going to die. Like somebody's in my room and they're just waiting for me to acknowledge the fact that they're there or I'm awake. Um, um, like so a playing dead kind <clears throat> of a Yeah, and so like my, I would slow my breathing down so it was non-existent. Um, and that part comes out a lot with her, and she's she's good about it. She actually just talks to me, and she's like, "Oh, okay, cool. Can I lay you know lay here with you, or hold you, or be here with you?" Mm. And I'm like, "Well, yeah. You just got to be quiet. Uh-huh. <laughs> you have to play dead because there's somebody that's gonna kill us, you know." Uh-huh. And she's just really good about it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's like an at-home therapist that I don't have to pay for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what a good relationship is? You know, I think we we taught... There's a question, just throw that out there. We talked about that. I think we did a show on that. Like, It's kind of like when you get a therapist, you're paying someone to be your friend, right? Yeah. They're like like a professional friend. Yeah, it's the... the, (laughs) Your your wife is to a prostitute as a friend is to a therapist. Yeah. Like, yeah. Similar arrangement. Unless it's EMDR and then it's the therapist is the prostitute. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was struggling with that too. I was like, wait. Yeah. Somebody needs to say what? Somebody needs to unpack that. So, <laughs> your wife, your your what? Now, Derek, let's. So like your this. wife is to, is to a prostitute. Okay. As a friend is to a therapist. Like, if you're if well, at least when you're talking about like purely sexual. Oh, you're yes. right. Pure sexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right. you're paying someone. You're right. paying this woman. Who doesn't actually have that much of an interest in you. I mean, they might right. have that interest, but mostly they're yeah. just trying to make a living. Yeah, they want the money. Yeah, uh, yeah, and they're good at it. Maybe better at it than a friend would be. Yeah. <laughs> they're trained. They went to college. Yeah. They've had a lot of experience, uh, but which can be really valuable, but again, you're paying for it. And... They're not probably going to be the person that you can call at 3 a.m. when you're freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas 
a good friend might answer the might phone. Answer the phone. <laughs> I mean, it has a better chance of answering the phone than your parents. That's right. I'm going to fall asleep as you talk to me, but I'm (coughs) I'm I'm still here. here. As long as the phone is connected to each each of us, we're here. Right. Yeah, yeah. They're not like, I have your credit card on file, right? We got a half hour on the phone. Let's go. So I charge by the minute. (laughs) There's something to the the whole uh, therapist. So... My friend Seth went to uh, the Seattle School for Psychology and Theology, and one of the things they do there for all the counselors, people that want to like work with people as counselors or therapists, start out as a counselor. Or, anyway, they force people to be in therapy. Like, if you're going to do this and you're going to take care of other people, you need to deal with your, your own shit, yeah. which I think is good. <laughs> it's a great well, that's way one, to school people. That's one of the questions that I ask any new therapist is, do you... Are you currently in therapy, or do you yeah. go regularly or often scheduled? You know, how often do you go? And if the answer is, oh, I don't go, I'm like, okay. <laughs> thanks, thanks for this. <laughs> I mean, not really that short, but it's. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not interested in listening to somebody right. talk. You're just a preacher at that point. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's right, a preacher. Hey, come here. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm a fight. Yeah, free. That's a free. key word. That's a big thing for me in check. Yeah, free. free. Uh, <laughs> I've interviewed a lot of therapists, and uh, that's always the first thing I ask. Like, tell me your fucking story. I, you know, because they usually have a book to sell or something like that. It's like, no, why do you do this? Why do you think that you can, like, climb inside people's heads and do what you do for money? Like, I want to know that story. And the ones that are resistant to it, like, I have a hard time trusting. I had one guy that came up. Came well. He sent me emails. And he's like, "Hey, I wrote this book." And da, 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 da. I'm like, "Okay, you know, I had him on the show." And he was a little resistant to talking about his own story. And since then, he's written a few more books. <laughs> on the show again. He's like, he's sending me emails and stuff. It's just I have a hard time trusting someone who's not will or. And he did. He did talk about his shit. So I'll give him that. But it's just it was a little like. Like, I had to pry. I had to poke at him. I had to kind of... Yeah, yeah. And he's kind of uber-Christian, dude, too. Did you hear about the mathematician who was constipated? <laughs> no. He worked it out with a pencil. <laughs> there you go. Little dad joke to spice things up. <laughs> I was thinking of the same joke. I was just to tell it, but thanks. Derek is, Derek is a millennial, but he's got to that age where the dad jokes are Oh, I've always to. been into dad. I love telling... <laughs> the best I don't... <laughs> People send me bad puns all the time. I don't think it's funny. I don't think puns are funny. I don't like other people telling me dad jokes. I like telling Jared dad jokes because I like the reaction that I get from other people. Right. It's kind of like a, I kind of like making other people miserable, and <laughs> and it's a really socially acceptable way to make a bunch of people like <laughs> like have a little bit of pain on their face. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with me actually finding the joke funny. It has more to do with me. Getting to make somebody's day a little bit more miserable. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> I love that about you. Speaking of getting in comedy, some, man, getting in someone's head. Have you watched Lock and Key yet? Oh yeah, no. super good. What's that? Super. super have good. you finished it? Yes. Yeah. Is it Netflix or what? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a little. Sometimes it's a little heavy on the teen romancy stuff. Yeah. But when they actually get into like the meat of it, it's really interesting. But You've seen this show, Steve? I've seen it advertised. I was watching The Hunter. Oh, yeah, The Hunter's. That's 
supposed to be pretty good. But it's not for Steve. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah. I heard a, I heard a story on it that it's quote based on true events, but there's stuff in there that's not true. Like there was a human chessboard that the Nazis were playing with the Jews, and instead of they were killing right. the Jews with the the bishop would kill him and cream and all that, which you don't know. The acting is not too bad. But uh, Al Pacino's in it. He's a uh, lead Nazi. <laughs> it's pretty dark. It's it's yeah. it's not a film. Here it's a bit Tarantino-ish. Yes, exactly. Uh, that, that's exactly how it is. Anyways, so anyway, we're talking about real shit. Did you know that the art is kind of like there isn't the next line of that word. Say that again, Chuck. Sorry, Chuck. Anyway, it's not pluralized. Anyways, no. It is when I say it. Boeings? <laughs> <Boys? laughs> yeah, Boeings. I love when people say Boeings. So, do you find things triggering you less now? No, no. They still anyway. trigger you. Oh, yeah, they still trigger the shit out of me. Um, and it's like me saying, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say it like eight more times. Okay. Yeah, but. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, um, <clears throat> I don't think I'll ever not be triggered. Do you recognize it? Oh, yeah. And sometimes I still play with it, which is bad. Um, no, I don't. Other I times I, it, I feel like I'm back in you know kindergarten mm-hmm. with recognizing it. It's like, damn, I've been like really upset, pissed off, and angry for the last three hours because this triggered me. Then mm-hmm. you know, I just let it carry away. Um, and a lot of it is just recognizing the switching and coming back to reality and being me instead of... Does does your girlfriend see the switch? Um, Sometimes. Uh, More now than earlier in the relationship. Um, There's other parts that she has no idea that there's... that it's a different part. Though, so... And that's somewhat comforting because, like, they know that they are... You know, still like behind the curtain, disguised, whatever you want to right. call it. Like they're just not ready to really be known yet either. Known by her or? Yeah. Okay. And there's parts that I don't know either. Right. You know, it's. It's always the exciting part. Mm, yeah. Knowing new stuff comes up. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't named them, though, have you? <clears throat> or have you? Do you have names for I started to, but then I stopped. Okay. Um, it doesn't feel healthy or what? No, because I think they're all just me. Right. And so it's... And that, I think, is healthy. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, I've, it seems I've like I've heard, me. you know, both. Like, oh, you should name them. Oh, you shouldn't. You should name them. You shouldn't. Some yeah. of them might have names. And yeah. some of them don't. Some of them kind of refuse names. Like, it kind of makes them upset. Yeah. That I would name them. Um, no. It's interesting talking to you about this again because you and I haven't really sat down and talked about this in a while. But you and I both, both times we did mushrooms, we synced up on the... I have a version of dissociative identities. It's different than yours, but you and I sync up at least able to be able to kind of recognize that in each other and some of the same experiences. Uh, And it's been interesting in the last three months how much of that has gone away for me 
um, where I just don't have as easy access to them. And I've been trying to figure out, is it because I haven't done mushrooms in a while? Is it because I've stopped doing EMDR? Is it because I've switched medications? Is it a combination of all of those? Is it because the work I did actually Worked. started helping? Yeah. Um, and I find myself, they're still there, but they're just much, I don't know. Sometimes I think they're much more integrated, and sometimes I think they're just buried. Um, and it's hard to tell which is which. Yeah. Uh, but it's been weird. It's weird remembering having such easy access to them. And then all of a sudden it's just not as easy as it used to be. Uh, which in some ways has been really nice because it's been a nice break. That was one of the big revelations of the last five months is I really kind of stretched myself pretty thin in terms of how hard I was working on stuff. And it was a really good time to take a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, but trying to figure out what the next step of growth looks like is interesting. And I kind of, in many ways, I miss having that access. I understand that. Um, so easy. Yeah. Um, and I worry about them sometimes. Like, maybe they're not, maybe they're being ignored, maybe they're not actually as integrated as I think they are. Maybe they're going to be super pissed when I get access to them again. When you unbury them? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, and it's hard for me to be, it's really hard for me to be optimistic about it. I find myself drifting towards pessimism a lot. I try to, like, just assuming that they're upset with me. Have you ever had a time where, like, you were being pessimistic about it, and it's like, damn, like, I'm just burying them, and then maybe, like, one of them kind of come to light and show you that not necessarily they're being buried, but they're okay? Or the opposite. Not that strongly. Maybe. Um... I mean, the one that most commonly speaks for all of them is Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, and she's... I don't know. She just feels quiet, I guess. But she's still there. Have you been able to care for her? Love her? Like, I don't really know that I've really focused on that much lately. Mm-hmm. And again, part of that might be... I think it's most likely both things. One, they're being buried, and two, they're being integrated at the same time. Right. So in some ways, I think they are getting ignored, and in other ways, I think I just don't have as easily easy an access to them as I did, especially when I was doing EMDR. Well, and that's the other thing, too. It could be, like you said, both. So like they're not being poked. Right. right. I'm not bringing them. I'm not summoning them every week Yeah. Uh, to fuck with my Which, life. So not only were you being strained, but your parts were being strained right. as well. Because you, you were writing these, uh, you know, like... That was at the very beginning. Have you done any of that, at least? I haven't done any writing in a while. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. winter's been very mellow for me, which has been a good break. I think, like, November, December, I was just absolutely exhausted. Mm-hmm. And I was worried about myself. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I did a whole bunch of changes, basically, at the end of the year. I hit the brakes really hard at the end of the year is what happened. Stopped doing EMDR, changed my medication, uh, came off of the rest of the mushroom trip, no more mushroom head, all within like a three-month period. Um, And part of me was really worried because I was just so tired, November and December, that 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 was going to be my new normal. 
So I kind of got panicky, but like just super lethargic at the same time. And then slowly some of my energy started to come back and my ambition. And in retrospect, I was like, no, you're just, you went really hard for two years. And you, it took you two months to just catch your breath again. And, uh, and so, and it is, it has been, it's quieter, which, I don't know, I get so grass is greener with that shit. Like, some days it's like, man, like, I really miss getting after it. Mm. But then I have moments where I can pretty clearly remember how I was like at the end. I was like, hmm, <laughs> shit wasn't so good. <laughs> stuff stuff got pretty bad. Uh, so and, and trying to figure out what that throttle looks like. Like, when I get, and I want to go back into it at some point. One, the question is when. And two, like, should I just go after it for, like, three or four months hard? Should I try and, you know, uh, well, so go half, not halfway, but... Your brain's a muscle, back. right? Yeah. I mean... If you show up to the gym today, I'm assuming you don't go to the gym. I, I go to the gym. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just for why. I don't. Okay. <laughs> so if I just showed up at the gym, I'm not going to do you know 200 push-ups today. Right. Or tomorrow. Shit, I'm not going to do 200 push-ups and, well, I might be able to do it. I'm much months. meaner to my brain than I am to my body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and brain workout stuff seems, or emotional workout stuff seems like a little, it seems more taxing. And it tends to linger longer, like the, the pain of it tends to, I don't know, for me, I have a, a weird thing around scars and wounds, you know, what's a scar, what's a wound? I have a scar on my, my hand right here, my pinky, and I can't feel most of my pinky. Um, I have another like wound. What's that? It sounds like a wound. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of the analogy, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's kind of the analogy, though. But right. so so some stuff's gonna heal, and some stuff's just gonna be there, and you gotta kind of accept both, right? And then you kind of walk through your life, and 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 I think that's the art of life. Serenity is a big thing in, in recovery, where you know, can I can I know? It's the prayer, right? God, give me the ability to. Accept the things that that I can't change, and to change the things I can, and so that's kind of the scars and wounds thing I think. But serenity isn't something you get to or you pray for, and God waves a magic wand, and all of a sudden you're just oh, have serenity. Like I think it's People part of its consciousness. <laughs> I was gonna say, why can't you know what yeah. that great? Yeah, I don't believe in magic, Jesus. <laughs> Fuck yeah, he's awesome. He's the best Jesus. Best Jesus. Best Jesus. Best Jesus. Best Jesus is magic, Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But much like the tooth fairy, I don't think that Jesus. Is I, well, it. shit, magic Jesus helped me when I went to White Raven the first time. Yeah, I went there because I was sexually abused, and I came back and I stopped smoking. Yeah, yes, <laughs> that was magic Jesus all the way. <laughs> That's a cool Weird side backwards magic. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he still exists. Though. Yeah. Oh man, that first time at White Raven—that was some crazy it's like a, shit. It's like a second-rate genie. I'm like, thank you, but. <laughs> yeah. really? This was a wish that you that yeah, but uh, not not number one on the list. No, no. no <laughs> That's an interesting thing about you guys as my friends because you're both like you have that engineer brain, and I'm more like I don't think that way at all. I have a hard time with numbers and my fucking checking account, much less some of the stuff you guys do. Uh, but what's cool about so Derek, you you haven't been diagnosed with a disassociative. 
um, not officially disorder. Not officially. I but probably haven't either. That I know. <laughs> oh yeah. See, but there's but but you you get that, and when you did the the dead children kind of exercise, mm-hmm. and that became the, this writing thing that you did, and, it, and it, it it welled up from inside of you, and you got it out of you, and it had these effects on you, and you started to identify <clears throat> different parts of yourself. As those those kids, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're still there. I need to revisit some of those stories. I mean, now might be a good time, actually. Yeah. Because uh, I think I may have finally gotten enough distance where I can kind of re-explore some of them and enough rest yeah. to to get back into that. But what is your hope, Chuck? Yes, Steve I know that Steve was looking at me. Um, I guess my hope, well, it, it's actually relevant right now. My hope is to like, be able to stay engaged. Like, I'd much rather, I don't know, switch the conversation from what you and, you know, Derek and Russ are talking about and just ask Steve, you know, hey, you're being quiet. <laughs> Talk. <laughs> um, and that's, I hate that I do that. Um, and then I know you struggle with it too, Derek. There's been several times where we've hung out with um, Arthur and John, and the two of us just look at each other, and it's like, "Yep, this conversation needs to go somewhere else." Doesn't care, don't care where it goes. Just I'm not interested in being what's about. being talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, what's being talked about is fine, very relative to whoever's listening and the people that are talking about it. And there's nothing wrong with what's being talked about, but I could care fucking less. Mm-hmm. And I hate the, the fact that I'm like that. Mm-hmm. How many times here? Tonight, have you lost uh, twice so twice. far? Yeah, that's pretty good for you. Yeah, because usually it's <laughs> it's once. Yeah. It's once for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From the time yeah. that button hit starts until the time the button nope till I get home. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'll do that. Yes, especially if I feel like that's why I think it's it's been easier with the three of us than with six of us because the conversation would go places that I didn't really care. And didn't feel like I had anything to contribute, so I would just sit on the side. Unless I was asked a specific question. But would you be paying attention? Yes and no. See, mine is just straight now. They would just, you know, kind of... Come in and out. Come in and out. Yeah. Yeah. I would just wouldn't pay attention at all. Yeah. I would go fucking nuts if I was aware at your age of... I'm aware now, but I'm 64 years old. Well, Steve, we did go fucking nuts. Jack, because I looked at it and I said, what? you know, I figure I got 20, 25 years. Oh, you got at least 40. Come on. Oh, hell no. You could break 100. Oh, hell Steve, no. I don't you want to do You're in pretty good shape, Say, Steve. Yeah. yeah you're good Say your goal is high. You're in the best shape of any of yeah. us that have been on the podcast. But I <laughs> don't. That's right. You run, Steve. That's <laughs> I'm sitting here smoking, drinking. <laughs> I'm probably 20 pounds overweight. I don't know. Just the fact... So what is your hope? That you'd stay, <laughs> stay in the game? Yeah. Yeah. Just have the... And it's... I, I guess a part of me related to a respect thing. Um, like, have enough respect for everybody else to either A, stay engaged in the conversation, or B, have the respect to say, not interested in talking about this. Instead, I just, you know, tear apart beer koozies or 
go off in my head and play games with my other parts. So where do you see yourself when your boys are late teens, early 20s? Well, I don't look that far in the future. <laughs> Sometimes I can't see what's going on tomorrow. <laughs> um, oh, that's rough. Because I see, I see a bunch of different paths. One, they just... I mean, it, and it's polar opposites. Like, right, they hate me, they don't talk to me. Um, one of my fears is that I have a relationship with them like I have with my parents. And that is, that's fucking scary. Because I, you're not I your had parents, that. Chuck, man, I know. I'm, no, I know I'm not, and that, but it's, <laughs> it doesn't. Still, it's still scary. a fear. Still, it's, still, really, still, yeah. it's still scary. And it's, yeah. I mean, I, I recognize that it's just fear based. It's not. Yeah. I mean, I just okay. The probability of that happening is so fucking small, but I still yeah. go there. Uh, when I go there and I worry about that, the nice thing to remember is. Uh, a lot of that is stuff that I can actually control. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can choose to engage my kids in a way that doesn't threaten them. Yeah. That's not that terribly hard. Yeah, except for when you disassociate. Right. One of the things <laughs> so that's harder. really no, surprised me is my girls are super protective of me. My daughters. They're 25 and 29, and they... My youngest, my wife's in Hawaii. She's been in Hawaii all week with her girlfriends. And my youngest has been home every night. She doesn't want to leave. She, I don't want to leave you home, Dad. I go, I got the dog. She goes, it's not the same. So she's come out of her room, and she's been downstairs. We've watched TV. We've had dinner together. That's the thing that I wanted that I didn't have until I was probably 50 mm-hmm. when I got woke up. And both of them say, because I've apologized, and both of them said, Dad, that's not who you are. I know the chain. And I like this guy. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have taken that other guy to Texas a year ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be calling you. My oldest called me and says, "Can you come down? I want to get Ray a shelving unit, a couple shelving units for the garage. And will you help me?" And I said, yeah, "I'd love to." She would never have asked me before because she would have been afraid of my response. And that's why I was asking. You know, you hope that when your boys are in their late teens, early twenties, that they're still in relationship and and seek out that relationship. Yeah, I don't have a boy, so that's what's that's what's different. You know, my son-in-law, but it's not really a boy. I mean, we'll talk sports all the time, but that's why I was asking about. You know, what are your hope? Where do you see them when you're when they're late teens? Noah's nineteen. And not living in my house. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, would that be so bad? But you never know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I can understand that I will be in a different place. Today, yes, yeah. that would be very horrible. I don't want my children living with me any longer than they have to, but I also take care of them now. Uh, they're not... I mean, they are self-sufficient to a point. Um, I was actually talking about this with my girlfriend. Um, so there's... Um, there's a couple at church that homeschool their children... And the oldest, so to catch everybody up, I teach uh, Sunday school at my church sometimes. Uh, the schedule is really weird. Um, anyway, so the, their oldest will respond to, when you ask her to read, she says, I don't know how. 
which isn't true. She just doesn't read very well, um, even for her age. And that's fine. This girl can make you any dinner you want by herself, maybe with a little bit of help. But, I mean, she could pull a step stool up to the stove and make you a lasagna. My kids, on the other hand, uh, they could read every fucking book in my house. But I don't think they could make macaroni and cheese with the Easy Mac cups that you just pour water in and put it in the microwave. I don't think they would know how to do that. They could read the instructions on how to do it. I don't think they could. Um, and so, like, we're, you know, what's better? Um, I don't know why I started talking about it. No, that's good. Your kids. Your yeah. kids. But yeah, I mean, kids. I, like, I have to take care of them. Right. Um, different people in different places. Yeah. Is that where you're trying to yeah, go? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That was a long <laughs> way to get there. But yeah, so it's. I know that I'm going to be different. They're going to be different. And I'm, I hope that I have a relationship with them. It's, they're seeking after it just as much as I am. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe I'll have to pay for therapy. <clears throat> I would love to send the still go to therapy and then just send the bill to my parents. <laughs> Here, guys, you're getting taxed. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a, a overwhelming day. We talked about this a little bit off mic, but just today was overwhelming, and I got to that point where kind of like what you guys are talking about, where there's a part of me. So I'm, I'm unable to disassociate I think that's my my thing like and I maybe that's part of my addiction or addictive personality is that I need something to fill it like I need something to stop whatever this this thing is and today it was just just a lot of stuff going on so my wife um a couple of weeks ago started feeling dizzy a lot and then she got to the point where she calls me and says hey I might need you to come home like I'm afraid I might pass out and so we made a doctor's appointment and we found out that she's pre-diabetic hmm. and so the doctor's got her on a strict diet and she's been following that she's lost like 10 pounds in a week mm-hmm. you know and, and some of the stuff she makes is really good she's getting sick of chicken mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of chicken, chicken you know, no starch it's uh, it's kind of keto, but not not yeah. really. It's yeah. Well, it's, so I I um I watched a TED talk, fuck years ago, um, and it was interesting. The guy wasn't bashing any like one particular company, although he did bash McDonald's pretty hard. Um, and he you know he's like diet plans don't work, like the fad diets and all mm-hmm. this crap. Yeah, yeah. He's like just make your food though. Like, go to the grocery store and buy fresh shit. Don't buy boxed meals. Don't buy shit that sits on the shelf for a fucking year. Just, if you want chicken noodle soup... I mean, he was to the point where it's, buy all the ingredients, make the damn noodles. Go raise a chicken. Yeah, yeah. Make noodles and chicken soup and grow your vegetables. We got four chickens, too. Yeah, <laughs> and we've had car problems. And maybe that's part of the the good part of this is is my wife's business, like for her to make money, has suffered because our other van has been broken down, or we're not able to drive it. She's not able to drive it. Uh, the last couple of days it's been breaking down. But then our neighbor gave us her van, which is also falling apart. But I'm a mechanic, so I can fix it, right? And I've been working on it. And today I was trying to get parts, and then I'm worried about my wife, but she's doing fine. <laughs> That's the funny thing. It's like, my wife's doing great. 
And all of the shit is like, most of the shit we worry about, like, never really comes to pass. And even though <laughs> my wife's doing really well with this diet thing, because at first, when she came back from the doctor, you know, the doctor's like, well, you need to be on a strict diet, you know, and here's, you need to do this and this and this. And I'm like, oh, fuck, you know. The doctor told me the same thing. I'm like, fuck that. Like, probably a nutritionist, you know. I'm like, yeah. you know, I drive all day and, and I'm busy. Right, and I think that's a big part of like what you're talking about with the fresh. Like I agree with that, and that's what she's been doing. And she just does it. And for where me, I would just make excuses. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I gotta work. Like I'm, it's fucking McDonald's, and it's on every corner. Or you know, I don't eat as much of that shit now. Sometimes I just don't eat, and that's not good for me either. And maybe some of that was today. So I asked somebody this question today: If your arm gets chopped off, are you gonna keep working, or are you gonna go fix it? <laughs> Can't fix your arm. Stop off. <laughs> you go to the doctor. <laughs> Magic Jesus. Circle back around. Magic Jesus. That's true. If Magic Jesus was there, I would go get him to fix my arm and give me a million dollars. But just all Come this, on, all this oh, stuff. <laughs> and I fired up the other podcast that I do, and and my friend Seth and I have been talking about some stuff, and there might be an announcement about that. Um, but so I have that on my plate. I got. My wife is, is dealing with, with this, and I love her, and I don't want her to die. That's another fear that pops up. Like, mm-hmm. you know, cancer and all year, all this shit. Diabetes. No fun. Diabetes. Nope. Uh, and it's in her family. Like, and her, She has an aunt that's like super fucking athletic, runs triathlons yeah. and shit like that. She's, she's got diabetes. Yeah. Yeah, she's diabetic. Every time I hear diabetes, all diabetes. I think of is... Um, got walrus, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't go to college, Chuck. I'll pick up my vocabulary. Um, no, I'm not. Front of TV. I'm making fun it's of okay. a TV show. It's okay. I'm not making fun of you. This is the best commercial ever. Um, no, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, old fat dude torturing a horse <laughs> by riding it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But where I was at today, I think I finally got to the point, and it's, again, it's like that we talked about that in one of our shows, the, the punk idea of self-parenting, you know, and where I was really feeling like crazy overwhelmed today. I just kind of sat, I think I even pulled over to the side of the road, because I'm a Lyft driver, drive all day. And I just said, you know, I breathe, I would breathe for a while, and I said, listen, it's okay, buddy. It's going to be all right. You know, like this part of me that's just here and in control. I even visualized some of my, my teenage self in that, because there was a part of me that had to grow up really quick mm-hmm. when I was young. Um, parents got divorced, and... And my mom was, you know, serial. She's been married like four times, so I had more than a couple stepdads. And and she was at work all the time. Stepdad number one was a long haul truck driver, so he was never home anyway. I think I can count on one hand how many words he said to me the whole time they were married. You know, this fucking guy. Um, so I had to kind of raise myself, and and it's almost like that guy showed up and said. You know what? It's okay, buddy. We'll, we'll be all right. Just, you know, just breathe. It's just life. Just let it go. You know, kind of like your stuff with. I got kids too. I got you know my son and my daughter. And my daughter sent me texts, and her her Jeep is acting up, and and uh, and and I, I, it's going to be okay. Like everything comes in waves and pieces, and and yeah. So, but it was. Soup, like I, I could feel the bubbling underneath the surface 
Like there's this self-destructive part of me that wants to come out and just wreck everything, you know, and just, you know, and, and I and I push that down. I didn't even just have to push it down, really. I just had to say. You acknowledged it? Yeah, I acknowledged, that's it. it was, I acknowledged it yeah. and said, no, it's okay. It's okay, buddy. We're going to be all right, you know. Just let it breathe. Yeah, yeah. I give it a give it a voice, give it a rest, not shit on it. I think that comes from my religious tradition, the tradition that all of us were raised in, right? Like there's that, you're sinning, you know, you need to repent or whatever. Some of that language comes out and and I had to just, I don't, I don't even have that anymore, which is great. You know, I don't have that kind of shamey religious voice in me that's always tried to kill the demon. And then I picture myself as the demon, you yeah. know, part of me that <clears throat> that gave in to all the sin in the world, you know. So anyway, that's how my day went. It's <laughs> good, Rose. Thanks, man. I hate to use that word because it's sort of a Christian-y word, but it's been a an interesting season. Mm-hmm. It's an English word. Yeah, it is. Brother. Sister. Surrender. What's that? Just surrender. That's Derek's favorite word. Mm-hmm. Surrender. Yeah. yeah. Surrender to surrender the to me, the pastor. Yeah. Surrender. <laughs> so that's another. That's a. That's a future show that Derek brought up. The idea of powerlessness, and that's something yeah, that, that I really. I about. so when I first entered into recovery groups, I I hated. Part of me hated that. I'm not sure what part of me it was, but the first step in the 12 steps is fucking surrender. Like you surrender. Like you're 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 powerless to that egoic part of yourself that wants to control your life. And in theory, that's great. But the question you have to ask is, what to who? Yeah, exactly. And usually, the people that are telling you to surrender are hiding both. Yeah, there's not a lot of healthy people running recovery groups. Or churches, for that matter. Right. Well, there's not a lot of healthy people. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, you know, That's once you get to that realization, <laughs> you know, we've all got our stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just some of us do a better job of hiding it yeah. than not admitting it. Yeah. Well, that comes back to Russ talking about the author that he was interviewing. I'd rather hang out with the guys that are willing to admit that they have issues. Right. Or they even don't. able to admit that they have issues. Yeah. The worst, the scariest people are the people that really genuinely don't think that they have anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah, they've got all the shit figured out. Do you think they really don't? I think some people really. Really? People are really. Well. Their ability to deceive themselves is. Yeah, because. Yeah, no, I called Paul's. I was that way. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was that way up till probably 45, and then at 45, I started to realize that I was screwed up. Okay, so before that, though, did you know that you were screwed up and you chose to ignore it? Or did you truly believe that you weren't screwed up? I think I chose to believe I wasn't screwed up. Everybody else was a problem. And then how long yeah. did it take you to believe that lie? And then you just then you just believed it. It wasn't that you thought you were screwed up. You honestly just believed it. I think that was probably most of my childhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even in the church, when I started first arguing back to the church, you know, it was all about... A bunch of rules. This is what you did to get this, and that's the kind of way I was raised. Is that if I was, if I behaved, then I was felt like I was loved. And then when I still feel that today, I struggle with that. That's the 
That's where my hand. You know, the tension is... The good old CMA. Yeah, <laughs> Is that another... So here's a question, too. Is, is that another form of disassociation for oh, yeah. judging everything oh, yeah. in order to yeah. project, you know... Like, I, like, I don't like this situation. I don't know you, and I don't... Like, gay people are a great example, right? Like, Christians trying to understand maybe their gay neighbor. And... They're, they're told to love their neighbor, yet I don't know them, and I'd rather demonize them. Well, <laughs> see, that's the whole issue, too. Is some of that, if you, it's not easy to love your neighbor. I mean, it's right. easier to follow a set of rules than it is to love your neighbor. Yeah. I mean, it's easier to just not drink and chew and watch R-rated movies than it is to love your neighbor. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's where I think a lot in the church is what we've done, is that we set up these rules because they're easier. I think dissociation has two distinct flavors and one is like an anchor where it just sucks you down deep and just curl into yourself and that's Mm. probably closer to what me and Chuck have yep and then the other type is a buoy Mm. where you can't go deep ever and it just every time something comes up that starts to draw you down it just sucks you right back up to the surface and you just live your existence yeah of in trying to manage everything I I think that the the buoy is actually worse oh yeah because the anchor, you've experienced death, and you're still there. Like, you're not really dead. Right. You felt it, and... You can still get lost in the anchor. Oh, yeah. And, and the buoy... You're, you're less, functional. You're less likely can to be kill functional. yourself if you're the buoy type. <laughs> More likely to get arrested, but less likely to kill yourself. No, I think... So... <laughs> no, I, I might disagree. I think that you... you so, I was asked yeah. that when I drank myself to death... People came to me and said, I was 16 years old, I drank a half gallon of rum. And they said, did you try? And I died for like two and a half minutes. But they, they asked me, like people would ask me, did you try and commit suicide? Was this, a, was this a call for help or whatever? And my answer to that was, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I was trying to destroy. My, I was self-destructive at the time. I didn't give a shit whether I lived or died. Yeah. I kind of wanted to be a bottle rocket, you know. I'll live my life and just light the fuse and bang, leave a good-looking corpse, you know. Um, but I think maybe that's part of the buoy or the addiction or the addict kind of uh, lifestyle or, or way of dealing with things. Yeah. To not the buoy sink. Thing. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And every time, every time your nature starts to draw you down into the depth, you have to find something external that because some people are naturally like that those people drive me crazy <laughs> that just cannot like there's just nothing deeper than an inch yeah. like they can't do it you think and, then the, and then the people I think they'll have to do it someday or it'll kill them right I think well I think a lot of people die well, like that <laughs> I think a lot of people just skitter around I think it's, for me it was the fear of just, what I would see when I looked into the well, yes. fuck. my question really? I have to you though is yeah. can they are they able to do it and they choose not to or are they just not able to do it? I think a lot of them are not able to do willingness, it. Right? Like, like there's just not... Then we get into disassociation again. Because but, if you can disassociate, then you never have to go deep. Right. Uh, I think, yeah, it's like almost like a hardwiring thing. And I've met I have some specific people in mind that I'm thinking about. That and uh, well, I did it really and, well at the beginning of this. Yeah, we broke you. <laughs> you were going to get arrested, now you just want to kill yourself. 
<laughs> when I met Derek. <laughs> oh, okay, well, then so you weren't that good at it. No. <laughs> Doing Bible study that was just like fucking torture with people like that. Because there was a lot of people in Bible study who were kind of buoy people. Like all of a sudden, religion became their kind of like surface ocean that they were floating in. And it drove me nuts when people didn't want to like. There's a like a, I mean, there's some pieces of texts that are that are super deep, you know. And I'm like, let's talk about that. Like, like let's get into that. And, and it was always about those people over there. <laughs> it's like they just project out. So you take a Bible verse and project it at the world and how the world is sinful and how the world. Like, no, how does that hate you? Like, where does it, where does it get inside of you and you know, it drove me. Like, I don't need, I would even say that in Bible studies. Like, I don't need fucking a, a social club. I think there's a lot of people out there, though, Russ, that haven't experienced the level of crazy shit that trauma. you are. <laughs> trauma. Yeah, right? it's true. And trauma, that's something right. that we share. You know, it's, and this yeah. is, the three of us, or, well, four of us, the three of you and I, um, like, it's great because I just have so much in common with all of you that's vastly fucking different but it's and I've been in Bible studies too where it's like wow this text like man I could share some really good shit but there isn't a single fucking person in this room that has come close to any ounce of this trauma to really understand any of this and so they just oh let's just skip this one part because they say that the woman lusts after him like she smelled a big fucking fat cock it's like, well, there's kids around. We don't want to talk about that. It's like, oh, shit, okay. Because there's some good shit in that. Chuck's like, Sunday school, next week. That's my verse. No. Oh, man. Please, please write, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's the difference, is I won't do it because I know me. Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois. Six, 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 like I said, arrested. Yeah. So I didn't mean to interrupt your... No, no. Your... Sex is a big one, though. Song of, Songs of Solomon, like, in, in seminary, they wouldn't let kids even touch that book because it's so sexually explicit, you know. Come on, how much of, um, how many churches do you think pass over David lusting after some woman and so he calls the her husband back from war and then... Right. Well, you know what they do is they do a they do a sermon on porn and it's usually because the pastor's looking at porn and he's not telling anybody... <laughs> And he needs to do a sermon on it because he read that piece of scripture and thought, that's about porn. I that is an interesting that. thing that I... <laughs> perspective on churches now. Like, 60, maybe 70% of the sermons are pastors trying to convince themselves. <laughs> what they're to, going through. Yeah, to, like they're trying to process... They're basically doing group therapy in front of hundreds of people. <laughs> yeah. But without their input. But they're projecting onto the audience. Yes, they're, not, yes. they're not actually owning oh, anything. Dear God, that's so but, true. So it doesn't work at all because they haven't quit asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> well, when you, you preached for a day or three. Oh, yeah, and I just did, I did it, You that. did it just like that, too? I did exactly like that. Do you think, do you think oh, there's yeah. anybody out there that doesn't? No. That's, that's what preaching is, right? Yeah, I think it is. That's, I think that's so it doesn't it help. Less. It doesn't actually help anybody. No. Well, because in order to get that to work, you have to be able to own what you're going. But that's through. the problem too, though. Is so once you own it, though, you're not a good pastor anymore, right. and so right. now you're fired. So the very act of being a pastor is disassociative. Yeah, pretty much. Like it's just a it's public dissociation. Getting up yeah. in front of a couple hundred people and dissociating really hard. I started listening to some of Jay Baker's stuff. So Jay Baker, hundreds of dollars a month. 
<laughs> Jay Baker stands up there and says, I don't know if I believe it. <laughs> I really respect you. And he still has a fault. Like he's, oh, not, he's not a mega church pastor. But he's, you know, oh, we're cross, cross, cross. Go ahead, keep going. But yeah, so Jay Baker, you know, I mean, he's, I heard him say that. I listened to some of his uh, sermons through Revolution Church in Minnesota or wherever he's at. And, and he said something like that. Like some days I'll, he goes, someday, he goes, I'll be honest with you, some days I just don't believe it. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm a Christian, you know. And uh, I'd like to believe, he talks about the interventionist God, like is that a thing? I'm just stuff that is real honest. And he still has people that, and th- that's the kind of church I want to go to, or the people I want to be around, you know. I was reading uh, something I shared like four years ago, and it was a quote by Nikki Six. I was reading his book, uh, The Heroin Diaries, I think it was in The Heroin Diaries, where he said, he said, everyone's got baggage. And he goes, I trust the people that have baggage because they've gone through some shit in their life, and they're the ones I want in my corner. It's the person who claims they don't have baggage that I don't trust. Yep. And they're willing to put it out there in the world or put it out there. And that's why I respect this whole group and this relationship with Chuck. And I'm glad you're back, at least tonight. And uh, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, it's good to be seen and see you guys, too. Good to be heard. Yeah. No, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what? I wasn't listening. Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. It's a little late for tears, isn't it, Barbara? Even though you didn't know it was going to happen today, you've still had your whole life to prepare for it. Of course, you've gotten into the habit of not being prepared. And now it's a little late, isn't it? You're a creature of habit, Barbara. We all are. Unfortunately, not all of your habits are good ones. This was how your day started. Started wrong. Shut up! Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Wanna make a punk robot joyful, jovial, jolly, beautiful? Hit that subscribe button. Like, as if the PT podcast was your Lyft driver. Would you please leave PT that coveted five-star review? Thanks. You fucking rock. You can email the punks at punktheologypod at gmail.com. Yeah, they would love to read yours on the show. Follow Punk Theology on Twitter. At Punk Theology Pod. And don't forget to join the Facebook group, Punk Theology Pub. The Punk Theology Podcast is the sole property of DigitalAudioProject.com, LLC, who is responsible for its content.